Our first reading is taken from Exodus chapter 33, starting at verse 14. Um, I've printed mine out, so if anyone can shout out a page number, if you can find it, that would be really good. So Exodus chapter 33, verse 14. Sorry? 92, thank you. This is Moses and the Lord having a conversation. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, There's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Just moving on to chapter 34, verse 4. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And as he passed, and he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. Lord, he said, if I have found favour in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. From verse 29, when Moses came down from Sinai with the two tablets, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he'd spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near him and they gave him all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. This is the word of the Lord. I'm just going to sneak in an extra reading from 1 Peter 2 before we have our gospel reading. So 1 Peter 2, verses 9 to 12. 1, 2, 2, 8. Thank you. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And our Gospel reading, we'd like to stand for the Gospel reading. The Gospel is from Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Matthew 5, verse 14. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Christ. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Father, I pray that the words I have prepared and the words of Scripture might feed all of us and give us the strength to live life for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Sorry to disappoint you this morning because um, it was meant to be my son Johnny standing here, um, but there was a bit of a family diary malfunction, or more accurately, an complete absence of a diary um, on the part of one of the family. Um, And Johnny is in New Wine, uh, down in Shepton Mallet with a friend, uh, praising God and uh, learning about him and preparing himself um, for his gap year. He's going to be in London for a year, working as a youth worker alongside a, a youth leader in a church in Balham. So uh, I'm afraid you've just got me today. What do Mary Sumner, the head of the Mother's Union, or the founder of the Mother's Union, Mary Sumner, Prince George and Moses have in common with you? That's my uh, question for the day. Um, Because today's the anniversary of the death of Mary Sumner, who founded the Mother's Union, which, as you might know, uh, the Mother's Union grew from very tiny beginnings into an international organisation with millions of members with the aim of supporting family life and faith in families. Mary Sumner began the organisation with the concern that young mothers, such as her own daughter, needed support in both the practicalities of rearing children and the spiritual nurturing that they needed. She formed a little local group and the bishop heard about it and it was so successful he decided to roll it out as a diocesan programme and then so it grew from there. Her vision for the Mother's Union was that those who learnt together about good parenting and supporting children in faith would then be able to go out from the group and share that with their families and their communities so that they had a huge impact beyond just being a group together. And as we know, the idea caught on. And today the Mother's Union is in 84 countries um, with a mix of prayer and projects to support the nurturing of children and the thriving of families. Um, If you want to know more, there'll be several Mother's Union people around here today. But I also want to tell you about a different Christian movement that is also thriving. 
It seems to be a very different kind of movement. It's driven by young people. It's highly informal. It has an amazingly effective online presence and all the latest gadgets to go with it. It's now in 90 countries, but it was only started in 1999. And that was the 24-7 prayer movement. It combines persistent non-stop prayer in and for communities and nations with social action for justice. Um, you might remember our 24-7 week of prayer back in January of last year. And you may not know, but there are plans to make Bristol into a non-stop 24-7 praying city with churches signing up to fill a regular time slot every month with prayer so that somewhere in Greater Bristol, at all times, somebody will be praying for the people of this city. So um, we haven't had time to discuss it yet, but I've found out about it and I'm sure we'll hope we might be able to be some part of it. But these two organisations, the Mother's Union and the 24-7 prayer movement, are different expressions of the same thing. They're just packaged differently to fit different audiences. They're the people of God praying, interceding on behalf of the people and then finding that once they get off their knees, they are often the solution or part of the solution to their prayers as God calls them to be God's hands and feet in the world. So the people praying and interceding on behalf of the people, which is what Moses did. So that's our first connection. In our Old Testament reading, we heard how Moses went into the Lord's presence and he came back changed. People could see he was different. His face was glowing with the radiance of God. So he'd gone to Mount Sinai to plead on behalf of the people who'd mucked things up again with uh, Aaron and they'd built a an idol out of gold because they got impatient waiting to see what God was going to do and they tried to force his hand as we so often do ourselves I think and he asked the Lord to show him his glory as a sign to convince the people that God is real and active and he has chosen Moses to lead and the people really do need to listen so he's told to go up to the mountain and to hide in a cleft in the rock while the glory of the Lord passes by it's an incredible description Um, that God describes to him what to do. He says, hide in the rock and I'll put my hand over you and I will pass by. Um, Very mystical and uh, incredible experience. And after this, Moses returns to the people, but his face has changed. It's become so radiant that it was too bright for people to even look at and his face had to be veiled from the people. So when Moses prayed and interceded for the people, the Lord acted graciously to them but also to Moses, who was changed. And this is what happens to us when we pray for others. Think of somebody who you know spends a lot of time in prayer, somebody who listens to God and follows him. They do have a kind of radiance about their faces. I don't know whether you feel you can recognise that. We can see it in the faces of those who love the Lord. We can see it in each other here. Because when we pray, situations get changed, but so do we. And that's why we need to pray even when we can't see anything happening, because of what it does to us, as well as what it does to the situation. Well, Peter knew this. He lived and worked alongside Jesus, didn't he? And so in his letter, he said, You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
describing the body of Christ, the people of God, the church, us, you. And we're all called to be priests because we all pray for others who don't know the Lord, interceding for them, releasing the power of God into their lives, which is an incredible privilege. I don't know if you realise that, that you are all priests. You might not have been ordained like Joe and Paul, but we all perform the function of a priest because Jesus has given us permission to approach the presence of God in prayer. Imagine the great throne room of heaven, a vast and beautiful but forbidding place. The Lord upon his throne in all his majesty, the angels beside him. The glory of God like a blinding pure light, the air thick with holiness. And into this picture walks little you, creaking the door open barely able to move with fear and trembling. How can you possibly approach that throne? And the Lord bends down and says gently, yes, my child, what is it? It's incredible, isn't it? Finding earthly words to describe that kind of a situation is very difficult. And here's an even more kind of down-to-earth example. Think about Princess Charlotte and Prince George on their scooters, scooting into the Queen's apartment at Buckingham Palace and asking Granny to admire their picture or kiss a, a, broke, a scab knee better. Or you might remember photographs of the children of John F. Kennedy playing around the desk in the Oval Office and playing hide-and-seek. I don't know if I've given a picture to... Um, hopefully you got passed around some of those. There are more if you need them. Um, but there are some spares of the pictures. Any, any spares? Anybody not got one? Joe has got one. <laughs> um, yes, there's a picture of one of the children of John F. Kennedy hiding under the Oval Office desk. And just the combination of power and informality is quite striking. And uh, a recent picture of the Queen with some, with some of her grandchildren. just gives a tiny glimpse of the incredible situation that we are in, of being able to approach the throne of God. God deigns to listen to us because Jesus has vouched for us. People that delight God's heart because he loves us as his children and he's chosen to reach the world through us. So Peter says that because we are a royal priesthood, We come into God's presence and praise him. We pray for the people and then we return and share that radiance to inspire other people with the desire to follow God, to share the same riches. Peter tells the readers to live such good lives among the pagans that they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Sometimes we can be on our knees like Moses was, asking for the Lord to forgive our people. Peter echoes Jesus' words on the Sermon on the Mount. He says, You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father. So those are Jesus' words, and Peter's words were very similar, weren't they? 
And I was struck by that. Jesus says in other places, I am the light of the world. But here he says, you are the light of the world. Because we're bringing that same radiance back to the people. So you and me, the people of God, the church, the royal priesthood, come into God's presence in prayer. We intercede for the people. We plead with God for his mercy. And then we bring back that radiance to others by our encouragement, uh, encouraging words, actions of love, message of hope. So let's have confidence and persistence in our prayer when we're alone and when we're together. Let's draw into the presence of the living God as only we have the privilege of doing. Special loved children of the loving Father who also happens to be the sovereign of the universe. How incredible a privilege. How could we spurn that chance to be with him? We choose such lesser things, don't we, instead? And yet, to be in the throne room of God, I wonder why. So let's be praying for the people of this community and this country and anywhere else that we have a heart for. And let's be open to be used by God as he fulfills our prayers. As you'll know, there are opportunities to pray here. We have prayer meetings on Monday and Wednesday mornings. There's a monthly prayer meeting for persecuted brothers and sisters. We're going to have a night of prayer on the 30th of September in the church. That's going to be the first thing that we do together. So we'll tell you more about that nearer the time. But we hope that you'll join us for at least part of that time. And also, as you know, we can pray wherever we are. You may not be a Moses or a Mary Sumner, but see how prayer changes you as well as the situations around you. Amen.